Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for July 22nd, 2019. I'm Scott and I'm sponsored to work on CircuitPython full-time by Adafruit, so check them out at adafruit.com for all your hobby electronics and educational electronics needs. Uh, this is a meeting we have every week on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Everybody is welcome to join. It's, runs, it's run on the Adafruit Discord server, which you can join at the URL adafru.it slash discord. Um, as I said, everyone can join. Uh, we're happy to hear what people are working on. Um, this is our time in the week to sync up as a community and talk about all things that are happening with CircuitPython. Um, the meeting is recorded, so beware that uh, we are recording both the CircuitPython text channel and the voices that are in the CircuitPython voice channel as well. Uh, it gets posted on the Adafruit YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit, and uh, Diode Zone occasionally. Uh, if you want uh, the recordings emailed to you, uh, you can join the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter at adafruitdaily.com. Um, the links are in there. Just search for weekly meeting. And then um, we also push these me the audio parts of these meetings out to podcast services. So if you want to subscribe and get it auto-downloaded, that's a great way to do it as well. Um, this meeting is run in five parts. Uh, after the intro, we'll do uh, community news, which is a general overview of some of the news that's happening within CircuitPython land. Uh, after community news, we do state of CircuitPython, which is a statistics view of the uh, of the state of CircuitPython, so both the core and the libraries. And I just realized I need to snag that as well, so I will do that in just a bit. Um, after that, we have hug reports, which is done as a round robin. So um, when we do a round robin, it's the goal is to give everybody a chance to talk about um, what they're working on or uh, whatever the topic is. Uh, Hug Reports is a chance for folks to say thank you to other folks for the work they've been doing within the CircuitPython world. And then, um, so with a round robin, if you're lurking and you just want us to skip over you, you just say, hey, I'm lurking. Uh, if you don't have a microphone or can't speak where you're at, uh, you can always tell us, hey, I'm text only. If you can't make the meeting, you can still put your notes in the notes doc and um, then we'll read it off when you're uh, even though you're not here. And then lastly, uh, full participation would be uh, just hopping on a mic and telling us what you're up to. Um, that's how Round Robin works, and Hug Reports are all about saying thank you. Uh, after Hug Reports, we do status updates, which is a minute or two about what you've been working on and, and what you plan on working on in the coming week. Uh, it's a great way to get synchronized on what everybody's working on and give tips and tricks about things as well. And then lastly, we have in the weeds section, which is any longer topics that have come up or people want to talk about uh, in the weeds section is where we can talk about those things. Um, and I think that's it for the intro. So let's go to Phil for community news. All right. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. All right, first up, this weekend coming up is Pi Ohio. So if there is a live stream of Katni's keynote Ooh. or photos or whatever or hashtags, um, watch our Twitters and uh, give a shout out to Katni. Um, she's not here in this meeting right now. She's away, and then she's also preparing for her keynote. So I put that in the chat. Looking forward to that this weekend. Mm -hmm. Next up, um, 
well, speed is not our focus with CircuitPython. It's really great when someone gives you a 10 out of 10 for speed. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> we'll take it. Um, you know, ease of use is what we're all about. That being said, we did make some significant update to CircuitPython. Um, there's tons of hug reports uh, that everyone will go over um, later, but um, just shout out to everyone on the team who made these speed increases. So Hackspace Magazine had a couple articles, and one of them, they did some testing. We saw this testing script that they used on Pastebin, and I just mm -hmm. ran it, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of neat. And then later on, I said, hey, was this what you used? And they're like, yeah. So that's going to go out in the newsletter today, and there's also a blog post if you're interested in it. But um, a lot of the things with uh, displays in particular are, are super fast. I was using my fake HyperCard, PiperCard, this weekend, <laughs> and it's nearly instantaneous. So I'm really Sweet. excited about that. Yeah, like my my own. If you if y'all are familiar with like Twine, the interactive storyteller, or the the choose your own adventure book series, which we have nothing to do without, we call ours Python your own adventure. Um, you can make really neat interactive fiction pieces with um, some of our projects, and we have that on the Learn system. Um, Scott and Katney were on the Embedded FM podcast, and uh, this is all about Circuit Python and more. So tune into that. The, Name of it is in the key of Lime. I believe that's from Katni's first project she worked on. Mm -hmm. with and then for Circuit Python Day, which is coming up pretty soon, uh, there is the event in NYC. There is the event in India, and they just released a poster, which I thought was pretty cool. And then on the day of, we'll have a lot of interesting things on our website. So lots of surprises. If you like Circuit Python on lots of different types of hardware, tune into adafruit.com on 8-8-2019. Um, there's another podcast, uh, embedding, Empowering Developers with Embedded Python. Um, I believe Scott's on that, also Nina. Uh, that's just Nina. Just Nina, okay. Yeah. I think there was a link or something like that, but I, I know for sure it was Lena, Nina. And then um, this is what I'm super excited about. This is how to add a new board to CircuitPython. So a lot of times we reach out to people. We're like, oh, that's a cool board. Um, here's how to do, here's how to add it to circuitpython.org slash downloads. You get a, more people using the board. Um, and now we have a guide on how to do it. So now when we reach out to folks, or if they're asking us, sometimes they're like, hey, I want to do this. How do I do it? We have a guide for that. And um, the latest one that we're probably going to um, uh, I talked to them over the weekend is there's a board. It's super cool. It looks like a crab. It's this, it's this really neat mm -hmm. word, and I and I'm even though it's not called Krabby Krabby, I'm gonna call it Krabby Krabby, because um, it's like Mickey Mickey, and so that'll be neat to see that in there. And then last up, if you're interested in someone who's been doing a lot of great work in community and events and bringing people together, Scott Hasselman shop stopped by Adafruit on Saturday. Um, he had his nephew Alan, who's going to be an EE soon, and then we talked about community and his. Uh, long career that he's had at Microsoft. And then uh, I'd say the most important or the most interesting thing that I, I've not um, seen a video or or a lot about this is how he actually made the artificial pancreases. He's he's very open about he's he has diabetes. He's like, here's here's what I have to deal with. Here's what I have to uh, do. And he's he's a programmer and engineer. So he really did a neat job with making something that works for him. So just watch this really neat assistive technology and medical technology that he's using. And so we, we really dive in and he showed all the different components and pieces. So that is a community news. Sweet. Thanks, Phil. And that last uh, yeah. video with Scott is definitely on my to watch list today as well. Yeah. And I think you, Scott, you also talked to Scott 
Hanselman. So there's an upcoming Hansel Minutes, right, with you? Yeah, I think it, I thought it would be last week, but it may actually be next week. Um, he said one of my questions to him was how do you not give up doing a ton of podcasts and stuff because he has 700 and we have probably around the same right and he's like well l- lately because it's like it's a question like i don't get a chance to talk to people who publish you know this much and he said well lately i've been i, I make sure i have like three or four ready to go so it's yours is done i think he just right. gives him a cushion because he's yep. in new york right now so good strategy yep yeah and that's how the pie dev of the week worked too like i did the email interview thing like four weeks or more before it actually got posted on the site which was quite nice yeah we can't do ask an engineer ahead of time because it's like (laughs) it's like this is what happened the last 20 minutes (laughs) cool all right thanks Thanks, everybody yep all right and with that let's move on to the state of circuit python and the libraries uh this is again just a we have a script called Adabot that uh, gathers some statistics about what's happened with the project. Uh, I just pulled these off our S3, and they are actually uh, as of yesterday, midday. So um, if anything happened in the last 24 or 22 hours, they won't be accounted here. But besides that, uh, it'll give us an idea of where we're at. So um, overall, uh, in as of last yesterday, over the last week, we had 31 pull requests merged, which is quite epic we have that pretty pretty standard um we had 12 different authors uh some new folks are roman kozak uh nano dano are and frogger with a ph are all new folks there um so thank you to all those different authors we really appreciate all the contributions we had six reviewers um pretty uh more active folks who are doing the reviewing so again if you want to get started with CircuitPython, reviewing is actually a great way to do it. Um, find a device that you have, and some if somebody has a change to it, you can just download it and test it and let us know that it's still working. That's super, super helpful. Um, we had seven closed issues by four people and four opened by four people. So we're, again, net down a few issues, which is awesome. And overall, uh, we're on our second release candidate for 4.1. Uh, 4.1 should go live shortly it's the thing that's provided all the speed ups. So I uh, saw the article from Hackspace and was like, oh, I suppose we should re- actually release that, uh, <laughs> which is a bit funny. And then uh, so once 4.1 goes stable, expect to see a pre-release of 5X uh, soon after that. Um, 5X has all of Dan's new BLE work, which is very exciting. And uh, we'll have a few enhancements to display IO as well. So um yeah, 8.5.0 won't be a big milestone, kind of like 3x and 4x, where it will be more iterative, but it does give us the freedom to tweak some of the APIs. So that's why it's not 4.2, it's 5.0, uh, so that we can tweak and AKA break some a few APIs that we wanna that we wanna improve. Um, so that's overall. Uh, let's move on to the stats for the core. Um, Stats are the, for the core are we had 15 pull requests merged uh, from four different authors, and uh, we had two reviewers. That's more than normal, so that's good uh, for us. So thanks to everybody for those PRs. Uh, we had nine open pull requests as of yesterday, so uh, if you want to see what those are, check out the notes uh, for the meeting. Uh, we had two closed issues by one person and one open by another person, so we are net down by one for a total of 182 open issues. Uh, hoping to close a few more this week, so we should get down even more. 
Uh, we had six active milestones, uh, one of which should be closed, but I guess it hasn't been merged to master. So there's one open issue for 4.1, but I think I fixed that with the dirty bitmap tracking. Uh, we have 38 open issues for 4x, and we have two open issues for 4xx, which are bug fixes. Um, and we have four open issues for 5x. So we're going to have to rejigger our milestones a bit here as we move into 5.0, um, but that would be all right. And uh, we have zero issues not assigned to milestones, so that's a good place to be. Um, download stats-wise, uh, we have two. We have a stable release, which is 4.0.2, and it's had... Uh, 3,223 downloads, and we've had 46 downloads on the release candidate one, which is our unstable release, uh, which just got released on Friday. So uh, that's like two days worth of downloads on unstable. Not super surprising. Uh, so if you haven't tried it, uh, please do uh, update your stuff to the 4.1 RC1. It should be stable, um, but just better in every way, <laughs> or, or better in a lot of ways than 4.0.2. So give that a shot. And uh, let us know if you do find anything that is a game uh, or a showstopper uh, so that we can put the brakes on on making that stable and getting more people downloading it. Um, let's move on to libraries. Uh, since Katni is out, I will roll right into that as well. Um, uh, on the library side, we had 16 pull requests merged as well from nine different authors, which is epic. Um, and we had six reviewers. And again, uh, as it goes to show, uh, if you want to get started, reviewing is a great way to get started. Uh, we had 33 open pull requests across all of the different libraries, which uh, it's pretty standard. Um, there's a lot of libraries, so 33 is not, not too big. Um, and they're listed in the notes doc as well, but I will not read those off. Um, Issues-wise, uh, five closed issues by four people, three open by three people for a total of 118 open issues currently. And there's a link to the circuitpython.org slash libraries slash contributing landing page, which will give you all that information. Uh, library updates uh, in terms of the last seven days. Uh, we had one new library, which is uh, the mini MQTT library, which is bringing MQTT to uh, airlift powered boards. And that's thanks to Brent. Uh, updated libraries, we had uh, the ESP32 Spy library updated, PyPortal updated, SimpleIO, Hue, Cursor Control, Adafruit IO, and Tiny Laura all updated in the last week. So thank you to everyone uh, who updated those. Uh, and that's it for libraries. Let's go on to hug reports. So hug reports are done as a round robin. So let us know if you are lurking. Uh, or text only, uh, and we will skip over you or whatever uh, appropriately. Um, hug reports are a chance for folks to say thank you to other folks for the work that they've been doing. Um, it's a great way to uh, both give people credit for the cre where credit is due, and it's also uh, good for us to see the things that we value as a community. So um, definitely like to do that. Uh, I will start and then we'll circle back and uh, go through the list. So let me take a time code. So I'm taking time codes. Uh, I didn't say it earlier, but uh, if you don't want to watch the hour-ish long video of the whole meeting, I mean, y'all are here uh, listening now, but um, you can read the notes and skip through to the interesting discussion. So that's why I'm taking them. 
Okay, so uh, for me, hug reports, uh, first and foremost, uh, Dan, uh, hug report to Dan for continued BLE progress and uh, the, pull, the pull request reviews for my stuff. Uh, thanks to Dan for that. Uh, thank you to Sedacious, Arturo182, Summersoft, and MS Costi for the continued good work on the ESP uh, web serving. I really enjoyed following along on that issue where it was like, oh, yeah, like there, Python has a standard API for how this stuff works, and we should just do that. Uh, that was really good investigation amongst all of you, so thank you uh, for finding that and, and uh, making things standard, which is cool. Um, thank you to Deshipu and Summersoft for helping folks in the Discord. I was getting caught up last night and saw that. Um, so thanks to those folks. And then lastly, uh, again, uh, Nina Zakarenko, who's a friend of ours and works at Microsoft, um, was a guest on Talk Python with me, which is a pretty popular Python ca uh, podcast. And she talks all about all her different projects and hardware and and things like that. So thanks to Nina and uh, Michael, the guy who does the podcast, for taking the time to do that. And with that, let's circle back to Brent. Hello. Hello. Uh, I want to give a hug report to MS Cozy for their work on the ESP32 spy server access point. It's really interesting work, and I can see a lot of people using it for different applications. Um, Scott and Katni for the embedded FM experience experience or appearance or whatever <laughs> my favorite podcast on friday nice. um dan for continued ble work i don't do much of ble right now but it's really interesting to see it as another protocol and see how it's moving uh terry from mcci for questions i had about a specific radio module revision number and lots of thanks to adam for helping me dig into the mqtt protocol the past few weeks and his review notes on the library i wrote Awesome. Thank you, Brent. Uh, all right, Carter, are you lurking? Oh, no, you're a chipmunk. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you want to type in, Carter, what you were? I'll read it off if you want to. Group hug from Carter. Okay. All right. And Dan for support on the forum. And uh, good luck to Katni for Pi Ohio. Awesome. Okay, thanks, Carter. And Charles is lurking, so we'll go to Dan. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks, Scott, for reviewing the, the BLE PRs that I had. One was for the Core Circuit Python, and one was for the Adafruit BLE library which changed because the BLE IO module API changed and we added, I added functionality. So that's great. That's, they're all of a piece and the PRs are accepted now. Uh, and thanks to Jerry for testing the BLE code in a variety of ways. And he actually didn't find anything that broke, which is fantastic and unusual. <laughs> mm -hmm. And thanks to Hero Effect, which is Lucian um, for working on STM 32F4, and there's a PR that he just submitted moments ago. We'll talk about that later uh, for initial work on that, for a new, a brand new chip family for, um, mm -hmm. for CircuitPython, which is great. Right. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Okay. Uh, I think Deshipu is... Oh, you have your mic working. Go ahead. 
Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so I have a new shield for the D1 mini uh, boards that, that is compatible with the Pew Pew uh, light uh, feather wing. Mm -hmm. So it's basically ex exactly electrically, electrically the same as Pew Pew light, only fit in a much smaller uh, form factor. Uh, and uh, it's full of VS basically because of that. Mm -hmm. what can I... <laughs> yeah, it was a hell uh, to to try to to make. Are you doing? Anyways, are uh... you doing hug reports? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> sorry, you're getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, to to Scott for for uh, the work on the uh, monochrome uh, display IR. I haven't been able to try it yet, but uh, I'm sure it will be great. And uh, grab group hack. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll get you to you shortly for uh, status updates as well. All right. Uh, Hire effect, do you have hug reports? Uh, yeah. Big thanks to um, Dan and to Scott uh, for all their help uh, the past two weeks on getting the SCM32 port up and running. Um, group hug for everybody else uh, in terms of building all of the stuff up to that, and uh, I guess thanks to Tack uh, for his uh, quick responses on some of the USB issues that uh, we've been working through. Awesome, thank you. All right, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, hi, uh, congratulations to everybody for the uh, 5 Alpha, and uh, and Dan, thanks for the continued BLE updates and uh, giving me something to try and break. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jerry. All right. The next person is J Trip, who is uh, text only. So I'll read it off. Uh, J Trip says, uh, thanks to Maker Melissa for reviewing my first circuit Python library PR. And thanks to Brent for work on the cursor control library. So welcome, J Trip. Thanks for making the meeting. And we'll go to Maker Melissa. Hi. Thanks. Um... So I wanted to give a hug report to you and Katni for your great embedded FM podcast and just a group hug to everyone. Awesome. Thank you, Maker Melissa. Yeah. All right. So MS Costi is text only. So I'll read that off. Um, says uh, hug report to Sedacious, Summersoft, Brent Rue for all the great feedback and suggestions on my PRs. Learned that the uh, Whiskey interface exists, which should work out well. And uh, thanks to Arturo182 for taking time to test out the server PR before his vacation. So thank you, MS Costi. I'm a little sad that you changed your name from Robots Go Boop, but I understand that it matches your GitHub, so that makes sense. Um, Noe is lurking, so we'll go to Summersoft. Hello. Hello. Uh, so I got a hug for uh, Carlos. I believe it's C4D7 on GitHub uh, for implementing the um, missing board builds for uh, mm. for Travis on the course. So um, that was nice to see that done. And I think they're kind of new to Python. So it was, it was nice to watch them uh, work through it. And then just a uh, group hug. Awesome. Thank you, Summersoft. All right. And lastly, we have... Uh... Tammy makes things who uh, is not in the meeting, but I'll read it off. Uh, 
Um, Tammy says, uh, hug report to the whole community because CircuitPython is awesome, but especially right now, all the folks working on the Display.io library. And I see C. Grover just popped in and is typing, so we'll, we'll just see. C. Grover, if you have a mic, feel free to pop it on. Lurking. <laughs> C. Grover says, lurking, loving RC1, which is awesome. All right. And uh, with that, let's go on the status updates. So status updates are done in the same way where we do it as a round robin, but we uh, instead we're talking about what we're working on and what we plan on what we worked on in the last week and what we plan on working in the coming week. Uh, it's really handy for just keeping track of what everybody's doing and getting tips and tricks uh, passed uh, between each other. Um, let's see. There's lots of lurkers today that we're having to keep track of. Um, all right, let me start us off. I think, yeah, so if you're lurking and you already let us know, that's cool. Um, but if you are if you just dropped in, let us know as well. Um, okay, so for me, uh, last week was, uh, well, first and foremost, the embedded.fm interview with Katni and I is live. Uh, there's a link here, which, did it just get posted? I'll post it again, because um, I know Charles wanted a, a link to it. So there's that. Um, I listened to most of it and it was just turned out really well. And I was, uh, really liked that Katni was on it with me. So I, thanks to her for that. Um, I released a 4.0 RC1 with bitmap dirty tracking fix. Uh, so if you actually change a bitmap that is being, that is being displayed somehow on the display, it will actually cause the, the display to refresh when you change the bitmap, which is cool. Um, and I also added it so that if you're only showing the bitmap in a tile grid, it will actually be smarter and only refresh the part of the bitmap that changed. Uh, it means that the demos that, uh, Dave Estelles did for, um, paint and turtle are faster and you don't have to have a sleep in there to make sure that it, um, doesn't stipple it, um, so yeah, uh, that's in, uh, and I also tagged, uh, five Oh alpha zero and, uh, kind of, that means that master now is for five X releases. Uh, there is a branch, uh, four one dot X 4.1 dot X, which is for the four one Oh releases. So, um, just be aware of that. Uh, generally we'll want to just th have things on master. We'll have a pre-release out shortly for, for that branch. So. Uh, don't be too scared about getting stuff right into master. You'll, it will get out soon, just once 4.1 is stable. Um, we, I have a PR for the OLED support, which is also the like monochrome and multi-color uh, depth. It's waiting for a final review last I looked last night. Um, and then this week, I kind of have two things that I'm shooting for. One is adding a hidden property to, I think, both tile grid and group. So you can just say like, oh, this thing in my stack up, like I just want to hide it for a little while. Um, so I'll, I may actually take a crack at that today um, since it's probably a smaller amount of work than this other item, which is going to be uh, trying to get e-ink support. And I think what I'll, the way I'll do that is I'll actually have a different 
display.io class to manage e-inks. So you won't do display.io.display, you'll do display.io.e-ink or something and have different uh, options there uh, to initialize it with. Um, yeah, so that's uh, what will, one thing that will come with that is the, we, I may tweak the display.io APIs around waiting for a frame and refreshing soon. Uh, just because e-inks, you really should only refresh like every three minutes or so. So making sure that you don't refresh early and then have to wait three minutes will be important. So, um, and that will go in the, into master. So it'll be in five as well. Uh, and that's what I'm working on. Let's circle back and talk with Brent. Hello. Last week, I released and shipped uh, MiniMQT. It's a non-network hardware dependent QTT client implementation. So you can use it with Wi-Fi or Google Links work on Ethernet maybe later this week. And I'm excited about some of the projects which use HTTP, which is kind of slow, moving over to using MQTT. So really target build for speed and lightweight and it's really fast. Um, nice. There's a new release of the Adafruit IO CircuitPython library with an MQTT class, which uses uh, mini MQTT as a dependency. Um, so I retained it in one file, and then you can just choose whether you want an HTTP class or an MQTT class. That's a good like boilerplate if you're working with a different API like Azure or AWS IoT. Um, I fixed an issue with TinyLora that was occurring for the Arduino and CircuitPython library. Um, fixed an issue with cursor control on the Pygamer, and I started a learn guide for using mini MQTT. And this week. I'm currently just typing, um, finishing um, a learn guide about MQTT for CircuitPython. It's going to target um, both Adafruit.io as a broker and then whatever broker you want. So a commercial broker or a broker that you're hosting on like a Raspberry Pi, for example. And it's a kind of difficult library to get a hold of. So I'm taking a little bit extra time to write this guide and make sure my explanations are good. Mm. Um, I'm also going to be splitting requests out of ESP32 Spy. We're kind of doing a little bit of work on making some of these networking libraries uh, hardware independent. So once we get new networking hardware, we're not tied to only using Wi-Fi for everything because right. there are other ways to connect. Right. And that's going to be another library, uh, some prototypes to assemble. And then I'm going to start a pretty large sweep over the six or seven Adafruit IO basics guides um, using the CircuitPython Adafruit IO library, which was discussed last summer, and now we're finally getting to mm -hmm. it this summer, which is really exciting. Good. That's my news. Awesome. Keep up the great work. Thanks. All right. Uh, Carter, do you want to try your mic? Yes. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah, just keep punching Discord till it finally works. Uh, <laughs> Okay, yeah, so one thing I wanted to discuss uh, is this uh, Wee Noonchuck library I wrote. Okay. I did this totally, uh, AT Makers, uh, you know, posted a request for it. I'm sure that Noonchuck can be a really useful thing for him to use as, a, as an input device for various projects. Mm -hmm. And I took a quick look at what was out there, and a lot of people had already done all the hard work to figure out the ones and zeros to pass. And it was just yet another I2C thing, essentially. So it was very mm -hmm. simple to just throw together a CircuitPython library for them real quick. And this weekend, I was throwing it into the community bundle mm -hmm. so it could just live a larger life and more people could contribute. Right. And uh, belated 
hug to Lady Ada for jumping in saying, go ahead and just make it in the Adafruit repo mm. bundle instead. It's like, sweet, if you're up for it, let's do it. <laughs> so I got it all transferred over there. It's added in the bundle. Okay. Um, pretty obvious link where the library lives. So cool. It's out there. It's live. Play with it. And it's kind of seems to not have be very robust. Uh, it kind of works for me, kind of semi works for Bill, depends on what Noonchuck you use, et cetera. Huh. Uh, so since this is kind of a reverse engineered thing, it's kind of hard to piece together exactly what's going on. And I haven't really gotten super hands-on on it yet. Right. So, but now that it lives um, in an Adafruit repo and it's in the bundle, it's opened up for anyone to play with and contribute. So please help. Awesome. That's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Carter. All right. Uh, Seagrover is looking, but posted a couple pictures into the Discord chat. Um, one is of a feather wing, it looks like, that's generating different uh, waves, like uh, analog waveforms, which looks neat. It's the AD9833 feather wing. And there's a link to the GitHub in there as well. And. And then Seagrover goes back into lurk mode. So let's go to Dan. Okay. So as mentioned, um, there were PRs uh, for uh, new BLE functionality. Those have been reviewed, and they're now accepted. And there's a pre-release of the Adafruit BLE library. So it's not in the bundle, but if you go to the releases pages page mm. for Adafruit BLE, it will be there. And I've just started working on BLE pairing and bonding, which is um, not incredibly complicated, but uh, there's a lot of detail. And so uh, we'll, I'll work toward that, and then we'll make a few services available that need pairing and bonding. One possibility is that there's a really simple time service so that you could get the time from your phone and read that time on your local um on a, on a Feather 52840 or something like that. And also BLE HID, which is more work. So maybe I'll get the time service working first, assuming it's actually simpler, and then start working on HID. Okay. Cool. Sounds cool, Dan. Thanks. Okay. All right. Uh, Deshipu. Okay. I already told you about the, the D1 mini ship, so I won't repeat that. Uh, I'm also still working on the new version of PewPew with the display. Mm. So waiting for, for PCBs on that. And uh, during the, the workshops, we wrote a couple of additional games for, for PewPew. There is now Sokoban and uh, Boulder Dash for it. So, so more games. And uh, yeah, there is a Light Cycles games, which is basically a snake for two where you compete uh, trying to to make the, the opponent run into you. Hmm. Uh, that's two-person game on, on a pew-pew where you, each each person uses two buttons to hmm. control their, their snake, mm -hmm. basically. So that's going to be available soonish as well. Awesome. And that's it. Sweet. Thank you. All right. Let's go to Hierophant. Okay, so um, this week uh, I've been wrapping up or just getting prepped up for the pull request for the um, SDM32 integration for the F412 and F411. Um, so uh, that first 
um, kind of the first edition of this is you have uh, REPL access through uh, UART. Um, we haven't, we ran into some snags with USB, um, but luckily we've had some quick responses on that and uh, we're looking to get support in um, pretty quickly. Uh, I, think, I think we'll be able to probably get that in um, within the next couple of days, if not today. Um, uh, and then the first, the initial kind of pared down edition of this just has, we've got digital IO working and I've got um, prototypes coming up uh, for I squared C. Um, uh, beyond that, I think um, I, I was, I've been working on kind of conditionalizing uh, modules kind of across um, the, the port system just to make it easier for a really minimal ports to exist mm. uh, just because I, I believe that this is the if I'm not wrong this is the first uh, kind of from zero port that we've had um, and uh, I'd, I'd like to at some point uh, potentially make a very very minimal framework for a port mm -hmm. um, could be a potential starting point if somebody wanted to put in uh, Cypress support or support for you know an, an, an XP boards or whatever else Mm -hmm. um, they would have something that kind of guides them through the process of getting a project building, knowing which modules to include uh, where, um, and, you know, maybe even have like a tutorial process for that. Since mm -hmm. um, once everything is, is kind of conditionalized and, and uh, you're aware of kind of what all the different parts do, getting a, a port is, uh, is really pretty straightforward for those early steps. So mm -hmm. uh, hoping to get more work done this week on just those basic modules and USB, and then uh, we'll see what where we go from there. Awesome. Sounds super cool. Yeah, I've been thinking about a similar port, so that would be a neat thing to think about after after the STM is a bit further. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. All right. Uh, Hakuza tu Tuna is uh, lurking. I can never say that. Jason P is lurking as well. Uh, I will read off Jeff Epler's update. He's not here, but he's alphabetically next. Um, Jeff says, uh, for NRF PWM audio, uh, <laughs> uh, majority of functionality is in Pearl Quest 2000, uh, working on pause and resume, working on any reviewed items that are noted on the pull request, and attending PyOhio, which I believe is next weekend. Yeah, I can just <laughs> say filled, but that's okay. Um, okay, let's go to Jerry. Hi. Um, so I spent some time last week playing. Uh, uh, got a Raspberry Pi 4 and I put Buster on it. And first time I tried to use it, it with the RFM 9X libraries and uh, um, it didn't work. And uh, there was a, turns out there was a known issue with the RPI GPIO library that didn't support pull-ups properly. So that has now been resolved. And, oh, good. It, and just tested it and all works great now. So nice to see that. So I think the Raspberry Pi 4 is back online. And so that means now I can start migrating all my all my Pi's to 4, to Buster. <laughs> um, and it's some, some BLE testing, um, not too, but enough to, to play with it a little bit, especially with the, the new 5.0 release and and um, and then the new BLE release that so, that fixed some issues with that. So it all seems to be working quite well. Nice work, Dan. And um, and then uh, I spent a bunch of time um, looking into an issue where uh, a, a poster on um, Discord had asked uh, was trying to 
take a Pi Gamer and put um, you know an ESP32. He was trying to use a Huzzah 32 Feather, hmm. and um, I said, "Well, that yeah, should work fine." So I plugged an Airlift in, and it worked great, uh, no problems at all. But the Huzzah 32, well, he was first trying to plug the Huzzah 32 in. You, you can't do that, um, but you should be able to wire it up. And I ran into some issues that um, maybe that I brought up as, a, as an in the weeds discussion. Okay, that there seems to be something funky going on with the with back powering things mm-hmm. from at least from the Pi Gamer with anything but the airlift. So um, we can talk about that later. But it was interesting and somewhat educational. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm excited to hear more about that. Okay. Okay, JTrip is lurking, so we'll go to Maker Melissa. Hello. Hello. So last week... <laughs> Last week, I updated eight Arduino display guides to reflect drawing out uh, bitmaps with image reader library. Uh, I did a bunch of Raspberry Pi form support with some display shoes. Um, I added an example to the new 320 by 240 ST7789 based display. I helped Katni with some info for her keynote. I uh, added the Raspberry Pi computer modules and I started uh, adding boards to the circuit.org website. This week I'm going to be working on a, getting the iBadger fixed for the iBadge LC because it doesn't have the accelerometer. Uh, I want to add the T7735 Arduino library. Um, display examples to support the new 320 by 240 display and also add a pie badge and pie. and then i want to add there's a missing setup uh dot pi file for the display text library i want to um fix because it's um, choking on releases um i want to add the, all the new compute module boards to the circuitpython.org website and finish adding the gut the guide for adding the boards to them. Mm. And that's it. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like a lot now that I... <laughs> well, keep up the good work, Melissa. Thanks. All right. Uh, MS Costi and Noe are looking, so we'll go to Summersoft. Hello again. Hello. Um, so for last week... Um... I'd, I'd noticed for Adabot the PyPI download stats that get run every day. Um, I'd noticed it on Thursday, and then uh, Mike B shot me a message on Friday, I believe it was, asking me to look into it. But basically, the PyPI stats um, were failing. The report was failing. Um, so I looked into that. It was a pretty easy troubleshooting session because uh, it all comes from pypistats.org and the website itself was timing out and giving 502 gateway error. So mm. that was the problem. Um, it came back up on Sunday. Uh, so I ran a local, uh, I ran the script locally and the report worked fine. And then yesterday's cron job on Travis uh, ran fine uh, as well. Um, going forward, I just kind of put this in here. Um, I mean, we can, it's worked pretty much for the most part. So we can just keep using PyPI stats. Mm-hmm. Um, and accept any any downtimes like that just occurred. Uh, I think there's a couple other different API services that maybe have better uptime. I don't know. 
Um, but then there's the, the hard version, which is where we could end up doing our own stats retrieval um, using the Google BigQuery stuff mm-hmm. um, if that was wanted. But I just kind of put those options in there. Just Have you chatted case. with the PyPI PyPI stats people at all? I haven't. And I don't. The, the website itself is like, it looks like something I would make because I'm not a web dev person. Ah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's really simple, um, and I don't even think there's a, a contact on there. Okay, um, but I mean, we could look into it. Um, yeah, that's probably where I'd start because maybe we could throw them money instead. Yeah. Uh, so that was it for that, and then um, for Rosie Pie, I finally got my set of Ansible playbooks to run without failure, um, which allows uh the pie that i'm using or anybody who wants to try and run it as well to both be initially set up um, manage a couple services uh, for the web face the interface with um, github checks api and um, and then to automatically to remain up to date uh, with the configuration as it is um, with the repos and whatnot mm-hmm. using a but it still needs a, I won't call it a slight fix. It's a pretty big fix. Um, and then I also worked with uh, Carlos on that uh, missing board builds check in Travis. Right. And uh, is that merged in? It is not. I actually left it open. I approved the changes as they are now. Um, I left it open for you. Okay. Um, I, uh, there's an open question in there if you want to take a look at it. Yeah, I'll try to take a look today. It is basically, so there are, do we want to ignore any boards in it? You know, so right. I gave an example of the the trinket hackspress. Um, because I don't know that many people are making those, but right. At any rate, okay. Yeah, I'll take uh, a look. So for for this week, um, the only thing I really have on the list is more Rosie Pie. So I have to rework the the installation of uh, GCC ARM embedded. I don't know why I thought it was going to work. I don't think I even thought about it. I just pointed it to download the 64-bit tarball, which Raspbian definitely didn't like. Um, hmm. So now I, the only real option that I can see going forward is to compile it from source, which that should be fun. And then uh, I start actually now that I have everything on the Raspberry Pi. Um, I'm going to start verifying and getting the uh, test framework running and communicating with a, a board connected to it. So cool. That's what I got. Awesome. Thank you, Summersoft. Yeah. And lastly, I've got uh, Tammy Makes Things status update to read off. So I will take a temp code and do that. Um, Tammy says, uh, last week was 3- 3D printing a whole bunch of flexi dra- dragons for people, which is this thing averse URL. Uh, copy link. And then uh, design of my parking space distance sensor project and connecting a Stemma connector to my Max Spotix ultrasonic sensor so I can use my PyGamer as my test platform. Uh, this week, figuring out display I.O. enough to be able to get my first test of the parking sensor done this week. That's what Tammy's up to. All right, and with that, that's uh, status updates. Let's move on to the final section of the meeting, which is in the weeds. 
uh, in the weeds is a chance for us to talk about any sort of random stuff that may take a bit longer to discuss. Um, if you have topics for it, feel free to drop those in the notes like some folks already have. Um, or you can also drop them in the text chat and we'll pick those up and throw those in the note doc, notes doc for you. Uh, but putting a, a just kind of a text thing in there is the easiest way for us to keep track of that. So please do one of those two things if you have topics to cover. And uh, with that, we'll start with Jerry for the first one. Yeah, so as I started to describe, what I, the, the bottom line is I, I took a Pi Gamer and put an airlift feather wing on it, and it works great. Um, no, no problems at all. So then I took a, um, an ESP32 Huzzah um, feather and just wired up the eight necessary pins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this SPI pins, reset, uh, the, the, uh, all the standard pins. And hooked it up. And whenever I make the connection, I always have the Pygamer t- switch turned off. So I plug in the USB port and immediately start hearing this sort of squealing coming out of the speaker. Huh. Uh, that's kind of weird. So I, I sort of ignored that and turned it on, and it works great. Um, no problems at all. Except that when you turn it off, again, when you turn off the switch, the NeoPixels start doing some pretty funky things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and I, oh, that's kind of weird. So, um, and then, again, another user was having similar similar issues. So I started looking, digging into the schematics and looking and trying to understand things. And clearly, on powering, passing VUSB over from to the ESP32 mm-hmm. to power it. And that is obviously is going to turn on the ESP32 board completely because right. there's nothing right. to not turn it on. And so I thought, well, that, that makes, maybe there's just some, something's feeding power back somewhere mm-hmm. and it's you know, not a good situation. So I tried looking at the differences with the airlift and clearly the airlift has, you know, there are some, some real differences in the way it's connected. But one thing I, I measured the voltage and saw that, when you have the switch off, the airlift doesn't power up. So it looks like, even though it's not completely clear to me how that the enable is still getting pulled down on the on the airlift feather wing when you connect it, and so it doesn't power on unless you close the switch. Right. So that that's the way it, it works. Great. So it's just with the breakout various breakout boards that problems occur. So clearly, and so the worst one was this case with the Hazard feather. Then I tried a um, an airlift a breakout board, mm-hmm. and my first test was oh it, it seemed to, it like worked fine no no issues. Then I looked a little closer and realized but no um, actually if I listened really closely when I turned off the switch at the end if I shut it down and turned off the switch I hear some some noise coming out of the speaker, not before but only after. Hmm. So I don't know what that's about, and with an ESP32 breakout board. It, again, seemed to be okay when you first turn everything on, or first don't turn, just hook everything up and plug in the USB to the to the Pi Gamer, but leave the switch off. I didn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. But when I turned everything off, then the NeoPixel stayed on. And so, again, just something's odd. Right. So I don't know where to go. I'm trying to you know, figure out where to go with it, whether to even worry about it. One thing I did test is back on the Feather Huzzah 32, if instead of feeding VUSB over, I feed 3.3 volts over to the 3.3 volts on the feather, everything works great. Hmm. So, you know, which I think, so I don't know where the feedback's occurring, but one, something one thing, is definitely. 
one place I've seen it happen is like most of the microcontroller pins have protection uh, diodes on them, and you can if you have like your your um, your miso line right so master in slave out like if that's being held high and but it's being held high to the like the original chip that's off like because that line will be higher than the source voltage you can actually get going through the protection diode to like the 3.3 rail ah okay um, out of the samd21 i've seen things like that happen Okay, um, uh, so that it's just a heads up to people, a warning. I don't know. One of my questions was: this, Is this an issue? Should I post it somewhere? And if so, where? <laughs> and you know, it's like I said, the feather ring seems to everything. Everything plays really nicely. I would, but I, anyone, yeah, I would suggest the the support forum, and then like either Lamar uh, or somebody else can take a look at it and just be like, okay. oh yeah, don't do that, or like, oh yeah, we <laughs> should add a diode here or something. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll try and write it up and put it in there. Um, yeah. And um, it, and I assume there's really no problem using three volts passing it from that regulator to the other device. Although maybe if if there is an issue, well, maybe that maybe that that's still not a, a good situation if the. It's just a matter of like how many amps the the regulator yeah. can source. I think. Right. And like um, okay. when you you probably peak pretty high with the Wi-Fi transmissions too. Where he's going. Yeah, I wasn't doing a lot with it. I was just sort of trying to run simple tests and trying it out. Okay. So, okay. Um, didn't know if that was something anybody else was trying. If if people want to make their put their their Pi gamers online, it, right? It's a tempting thing to do. So. Um, yeah, C Grover, you have ideas about that? I assume that's why you unlurked. Mike may not be working. But, but the other place that I was looking as to whether. The because of the uh well at first at first i thought everything was working okay except for the has uh, the feather thir- uh, esp32 and i thought maybe that the cp2104 usb bridge has has a connection to the reset line mm. i didn't know if that was messing things up but then when i realized now nah, it's still there's still some issues with with any of the breakout boards so hmm. uh, i think the issue is having you know that power maybe you know so maybe looking at the other lines is is, is better Right. So, all right, I'll post it to the uh, forums. Thanks. Yeah, and then then we can have one more look at it too. So, okay. Audio amp and neos are powered by USB. Oh, they're not on the three point three volt line. Can you leak? You could probably leak three three. Back. Yeah, there is one funny little signal that's on the Pi Gamer that I've never seen another thing. On D13, there's this pin that comes up. The ID pin off the off the USB mm-hmm. goes into D13, which is actually used by the airlift and by all these connections. Hmm. I didn't think it was. I tried moving it to another, and it didn't seem to make any difference. But I don't know if that's significant. Hmm. Yeah, I would I would do the support form because then Lamore can get back to you about what she okay what she Great. she she knows all those like you know real hardware things better than I do. <laughs> All right, thanks. All right. Okay, let's go to Deshipu. Yeah, okay. I We, we were just before the meeting discussing uh, some memory issues, mm-hmm. and I noticed that uh, somebody has uh, similar problems with audio I.O. that I had, mm-hmm. where we're repeatedly playing different sounds from the WAV file. Uh, every time you create a WAV file, 
it allocates those two buffers right. of 512 bytes, which is uh, quite big. Mm -hmm. And if you have any code running in between, uh, you are likely to have some memory fragmentation right. and your program will eventually crash with memory error when you try to play a sound. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking, so what, one solution to that uh, is to everywhere where, where we are allocating a buffer mm -hmm. to allow passing a pre-allocated buffer from uh, created by the, by the user right. at the beginning of the program. Yep. So this way we can, first of all, we, we avoid this uh, memory error thing. Right. Well, it may still error due to fragmentation later on if, if some other code is allocating things, but at least it's not the uh, right. uh, completely unrelated thing that is crashing. Yep. And second thing is, is that then you can reuse the same buffer for several different things. Right. Uh, so, for instance, uh, we do the same thing in the bitmap mm -hmm. when we are creating a bitmap or uh, probably, sorry, probably in several other places. So, right. so I'd like to propose maybe a pattern that we, we could agree to use to have a, like a standard uh, key, keyword argument right. for passing a buffer. And of course, uh, uh, like uh, raise uh, an exception if the buffer is not large enough right. for the particular use case right. we, we need it for, but uh, it should be possible to use a bigger one. Yeah. Then this way we can reuse the, the same buffer for diff diff different things. Right. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I, I can't promise to, to, to write up here a uh, pull request for that uh, this week. But right. uh, I, I will try to look into that. Okay. And, uh, what, at least for the Sorry? One question, one question I had is that um, in some cases, I uh, in the constructor, I pass in a size of a buffer to allocate, and then the buffer is allocated for the life of the object. But is that not long enough? Like maybe, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not familiar with the audio I.O top of my head but for instance in the ble stuff i pass in a buffer size mm -hmm. like for there's a fifo like there's a thing called characteristic buffer which is a fifo for ble characteristics and so i don't actually pass a buffer in but just a size and then it uses it doesn't it, it that's static right or, sort of is that good enough or is that with that is it are there are there cases in audio io where you're creating new i think it's like it's like imagine you have a bunch of wave files for a bunch of different sound effects and like each one of those wave files allocates a k or something okay like so which and what 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 class is being used to play them uh that doesn't matter it's it doesn't matter it matters that you're doing the audio io dot wave file Oh, 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 like okay, it's but okay. it's 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 a buffer coming in from the file system. I see. I see. Um, okay. All right. But yeah, the issue is that like if you have if you're creating those objects just so that you can play a sound, and then once you're, you once you play the sound, they're done. Right. That's a bad. Right. Then you're then just turning your memory. Yeah. 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 So I think for I think for characteristics like you're getting at, I don't necessarily think we need it, but I think for this case where it's like oh, I just want to like 
create the object just enough, just long enough so I can play it back and then be done. Like, yeah, sense. for 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 things that you create at the beginning of your program and you keep them as globals or whatever, right? They they are kept through the life of your program. That is uh, less uh, of a problem. Though mm -hmm. it it I think it still would be useful to have that because then you can reuse the same buffer. Yeah, so I'm understanding this is a, basically a, a static area that's available to everything. It doesn't, it's not dynamically built. It's it's there and it's protected for whatever buffer you want to use. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So okay. that that's one use pattern, of course. You could have several different buffers if you need to use several different things at the same time. Right. You know, you don't... Uh, have to have one single area, but uh, you know the, the this parameter, this this option of creating your own buffer, gives you a lot of flexibility. Right. Yeah, and one thing I was thinking about too is like maybe we should add a way to tell CircuitPython like from here to here don't allocate anything, and then like you can know that like a particular piece of code is not doing any allocations. Uh, that's getting complex very fast. <laughs> Because then you need exceptions to that. Yes. Yeah. And cool. uh, yeah. And uh, basically, we already have that. We already can just allocate a buffer uh, at the beginning, and and that works. Mm, well, I'm just talking about like if you want to know exactly like whether a piece of code allocates or not. How would you assert that this chunk doesn't? Well, I don't think Python is designed to give you information. Well, right. Yeah, it's not something CPython will do. But that doesn't, like, CPython does have these APIs that allow you to provide buffers to them rather than it creating buffers on your behalf and so, like, or, like, allocating on your behalf. So, like, it would be interesting that you could, you know, this is, of well, course, yeah, for advanced, but. I think CPython is mostly written with the assumption that you have infinite memory. Well, the, that's not entirely true, given that like struct has read into, like there there are read into variations at the lowest level of things. Okay, yeah, that that's a bit old thing. Yeah, and I think that's that may actually be for more performance reasons than than running out of memory. It's just like hitting a GC or like hitting a bad case on the allocation could be slow. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. If you if you use less memory, your program is also likely to be faster. Right. But yeah, so I, I, I think it could be interesting to be able to actually just say, like, this piece in this low-level library we've written so that it doesn't actually allocate anything. And just having a way of just telling CircuitPython, like, let me know if I do. <laughs> so... Are you thinking of something like uh, a with statement that disables memory allocation? Yeah, it could be a with, it could be a context manager, or, or it could just be two function calls. Right, there's a memory error every time something tries to allocate. Exactly. Yeah. So the only thing you'd be able to allocate during that period is the exception itself. Yeah, but uh, okay, but that doesn't solve the, the problem with audio I/O for me, at least. No, like, it doesn't. It doesn't, but allocate. it would be, it would no. be, it would help you find the fact that it was allocating potentially. 
Well, I know it is allocated. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, know that. I knew I know that from the fact that it rises a memory error, actually. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I so, think constructors so, are weird too. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I will I will uh, try to to propose at least a, a work in progress uh, PR. Okay. So maybe for audio I/O at the beginning and then we yep. can discuss further. Yeah, and we can yeah we can discuss that API and then apply it elsewhere where where we need it, for sure. Okay, and with that, let's uh, wrap it up. Um, thank you to everybody who's made the meeting this week. Uh, this is the Circuit Python Weekly. It happens Mondays at eleven a.m. Pacific, two p.m. Eastern time. Uh, if there's a U.S. holiday on the Monday, we will usually either cancel or move it to a different day. Uh, those notifications go out to the Circuit Pythonistas role on dis the Adafruit Discord. So if you're in this meeting, you want to get pinged about uh, updates for the meeting, uh, have us add you to the Circuit Python uh, Circuit Pythonistas role so you get those notifications. Um, everybody's welcome to join the meeting, so just let us know um, or just drop in when you are. Um, this meeting has been recorded and will go up on the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. It goes on Diode Zone occasionally when I do it. And then it's also in the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter uh, that you can sign up for at adafruitdaily.com. Um, I think that's the gist of it. Um, so I think next week is a normal week. So uh, thank you to everybody who made it and we'll, We'll talk to with you all next week. Thanks, everybody.